This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Tell me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? I'll be back. How's it going, royal ugly dudes? I must break you. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of Beacon Rewind with your host, Tim Nidell. I totally almost said Saturday Morning Rewind, <laughs> which is the, the, the podcast I've been doing for eight straight years, probably eight years and about four months now. Man. Yeah. So, yeah. That I'm on here doesn't make that any easier. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> I am joined by my, uh, I guess, my co-host for this episode, Gary. Say hello yes, to everybody. Semi-regular co-host on Saturday Morning Rewind. <laughs> uh, I'm Gary. Hello. That's right. You can follow me online. It's at Tim underscore Nidell. And Gary, what about yourself? And I am at... The real Gary Lane on Instagram. Now, are you really real, though? That's the question. Hard to tell over the internet. It is. No, I could be catfishing you. I've met you a few times. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, this is a new show called Be Kind Rewind with Tim Nidell, and it's so new that we don't even have a proper intro for it quite yet, but hopefully soon, maybe even when you're listening to this right now, maybe you had an intro. I don't know what's going to happen to the show, <laughs> but I'm excited to see where it takes us because this show is going to be all about going back, you know, as I do on all my shows. You know, Saturday Morning Rewind is all about my childhood, my cartoons that I loved, the voiceovers, the actors that I loved as a kid. This show is going to be just that, but it'll include everything that I remember loving as a kid. It's going to yeah. include music. It's going to include movies all that kind of stuff. And so I just figured Be Kind Rewind was a perfect fit for the show. It seems on brand. Yeah. It does. I, I, <laughs> I think the word rewind, I think it appears on the website quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah, and the website I'm talking about is my new website. Just go to timnoddale.com. That is my personal website. You'll find all my YouTube videos on there. Find my show videos. Saturday Morning Rewind is on there. Um, a lot of cool stuff. So check that out. And check me out on YouTube. I really appreciate it. Just type in my name, Tim Nidell. So Gary, what are we talking about in this first episode? Well, I think we're going to talk about a band that uh, you often actually bring up on <laughs> on uh, Saturday Morning Rewind. Even. I do. Uh, which is uh, understandably so. I know they're. Are they your favorite band of all time? Yeah, I think it goes back and forth. I, I would probably say yeah. Still, they probably still are. Yeah, even when I was cool. a kid, you know. It, it, uh, of course, we're talking about the Eagles. You know, a band that I'm assuming most of you have heard of. If you haven't, I don't know if I want to be friends with you or not. <laughs> I mean, you can say what you will. If you don't like them, that's fine. I can I can understand that. I can kind of understand that. But I'm sure you've heard of the band called the Eagles. Gary, I'm sure you have, right? Uh, I have, Okay, yes. <laughs> okay, just wanted to make sure. So we're going to be talking about the Eagles in this episode, and we have a very cool interview that I did with Don Felder from the Eagles. Now, he was the lead guitar player from 1974 all the way to, when was it? When was he? I think it was 2001. Uh, yep, I think you're right, 2001. So lead guitar player for those years, and uh, let me tell you, this guy, without Don Felder, honestly... 
I personally don't know if I would like the Eagles as much as I do. I think he That's really fair. gave a lot to the band that a lot of people don't really know about. People hear about Glenn Fry all the time and Don Henley all the time, and you don't really hear the words Don Felder when it comes to the Eagles. Yeah, and, and I mean, he definitely exists more during the second half of their career, which I think is what you like more, correct? Correct, yeah. The the more rockish, because early on in their career, they were more uh, country, you know? Right. And I, I do love a lot of the songs they did in those times, you know, because it, it really had a country twang to it. It was still rock and roll, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really dig too much of the banjo music on some of their <laughs> o- older. Now, I do appreciate a lot of them, but right. I, I really gravitated towards the rock sound of the Eagles, and that was brought on when they brought Don Felder into the group. I, I can appreciate that. I I feel like I started out, I'm not really sure what was the first Eagles song I heard, but uh, I, I like both of their existences, the, the banjo years yeah. and the non-banjo yeah. years, but I don't know. Which is more special to me? It's hard. It's hard to say, but I'd probably lean towards the lighter stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all amazing, amazing stuff. And uh, I was looking up earlier today, and uh, because for years they've been going back and forth with Michael Jackson with the like highest selling album of all time. All right, you, you know that, right, Gary? Yep. Um, which is amazing thing to have on your resume. And uh, looks like the Eagles is still number one. Um, Michael Jackson is still number two. So number one is the Eagles' greatest hits. Guess how many albums it's it's sold. Oh boy, I I can't even <laughs> venture a guess. I'm sure it's a massive number though. Yeah. Okay. Thirty-eight million. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Here's That's the funny lot. part. It keeps going back and forth with Michael Jackson's Thriller, and it looks like something must have happened as of late because Eagles are killing it. Um, hmm. Michael Jackson is second with thirty-three million. So there's wow. a five million difference there. That's pretty and, uh, substantial. Yeah, and guess who holds the number three of highest selling albums of all time? Ah, uh, I feel like I've heard this, but I can't remember. I don't know. Lay it it on is. Me. It is actually the Eagles again. It is okay. Yeah, with Hotel California. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Which yeah. Don Felder had a huge part of. Let me tell you that. And uh, so we're gonna be right back after these quick messages from our sponsors, and gonna be talking to Don Felder about his childhood about his um introduction into the eagles and all that kind of stuff so we'll we'll be right back all right welcome back to Totally almost said it again. Sorry, more Welcome back to Be Kind Rewind with Tim Nidell. And like I said, I have a very special guest for this episode. One of the greatest guitar players of our generation, Don Felder, who was part of the Eagles for a great many years from the 70s until early 2000s. So without further ado, here is my interview with Don Felder from the Eagles and his solo career. Hey, hey Tim, it's Don Felder. How are you doing today, buddy? Are we still there? Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, just trying to get these uh, new AirPod Pros to work, you know. But, uh, uh, yeah, they're working pretty good right now, so we're good. <laughs> okay, well, is it ever a moment you need to have me repeat myself? Just let me know. Okay, I will do. What did you say? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> All right, so before we dive into your latest album, which, by the way, I picked it up, and I think it's your best solo work 
ever, honestly. Wow, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I kind of feel the same way. A lot of times, your newest stuff you're so excited about because it's new, and then you look back and you go, well, wait a minute, I wrote some great stuff before, but this stuff is new and fun and exciting, so I, I get it. It's, yep, uh, exactly. Something that's new and fresh <laughs> is always, uh, you know, good for me. Exactly, and we'll talk about that more later, but our show is all about going back and kind of reliving your childhood. I do that by interviewing you know, people associated with cartoons that I loved or even musicians such as, such as yourself that I adored growing up in the early 80s. And uh, what kind of childhood did you have? Were you, were you always interested in music as a kid? Well, I didn't really discover uh, music. Well, I was, well uh, my household was always full of music. My father played music after work, till he actually got in bed and went to sleep. Yeah, uh, he would play Benny Goodman and Tommy Dorsey and uh, you know all, all the big bands, uh, Lawrence Welk, all the big uh, pop. It was kind of his era of music, so it was going on all the time. And and uh, when rock and roll hit, I remember seeing Elvis Presley on the Ed Sullivan show. I think it must have been the mid early mid to late fifties or something. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was gyrating and he had his greasy hair flipping <laughs> and his lip was snarled and all of these young girls were screaming at him. And I went, you know, that looks like something might be fun to do. I, I think <laughs> I want to learn to do that. So, um, I, uh, my favorite uncle had given me, uh, as a hidden gift, uh, when I left South Carolina or He'd given me this little box of cherry bombs, uh, and my brother and I used to go out and blow up these cherry bombs and run back in the house so that no one would know who was making all the noise. And the kid that lived across the street from me saw us doing that. He came running over. He wanted some of those cherry bombs, so I traded him a handful of those cherry bombs for this cracked acoustic guitar he had in the top of his closet and he wow. never played. I think his parents gave it to him and he just never got into it. So he ran back over and got that guitar, gave <laughs> it back to me. I gave him the cherry bombs about 15 minutes later. He was out of cherry bombs, but I had a guitar. <laughs> awesome. Now, our family was very, very poor. I mean, literally, we were right next to destitute poverty not maybe one foot inside destitute poverty but mm-hmm. pretty dang close so we we couldn't afford music or lessons there was no music store in town we couldn't afford to buy a guitar so i just you know found a way to get one and i remember riding my bike around the neighborhood uh and hearing somebody play in the piece of guitar and found this guy sitting on his front porch two or three blocks from my house and he was playing uh, the song called Wildwood Flower. And so I asked him, I said, I've got a guitar. Would you show me how to play a little bit? So I went back to my house, got it, brought it over. It was missing some strings. He told me I had to go to the drugstore, which had guitar strings there. There's sort of a miniature version of Walmart that had everything. Uh-huh. Uh, so I went and bought the missing guitar uh, and he showed me how to put them on and uh, <clears throat> and tune it. And he taught me this song called Red River Valley, which was a very simple, easy song to learn. And I remember sitting on the front porch of our little white clapboard house and with a tin roof that my 
father and my two grandfathers built with their own hands. Hmm. Um, I used to sit on this metal glider. It was like a swing that was that sat on the floor, and I would slide back and forth and back and forth on that glider uh, after school, trying to figure out how to play. Red River Valley and practicing and practicing. Mm-hmm. I would listen to Buddy Holly and I'd listen to Elvis Presley and try to figure out how to make those chords. And eventually I started learning how to play some chords so I could play those songs. And uh, <clears throat> by the time I got to be 14, uh, I put together a little band called the Continentals. And uh, in this band was a guy named Stephen Stills. We uh-huh. were so young, my mom used to drive us around to play these like little women's tea parties, yeah. and, you know, different little events, a teen time dance and stuff like that, no alcohol or anything like that involved. And Stephen was in that band, the Continentals, with me for about a year and a half. I think he finally left when he was, I don't know, 16 or 16 and a half and moved to California. So... Very shortly after Stephen left, a guy uh, picked me up at a bus station. I had taken uh, gotten on a Greyhound bus by myself at 15 and a half mm-hmm. and went up to this little place called Lake City and played for a little women's afternoon tea service and where I'd just sit and play acoustic guitar and sing. Uh, and I got back on the bus and came back, and my mother was supposed to pick me up at the bus station. But this other guy comes walking up and goes, are you Don Felder? And I went, yeah, I'm Bernie Ledden. Oh, man. Bernie had just moved to town because his father was uh, literally a nuclear physicist. And he had been hired away from San Diego to move to the University of Florida to start their nuclear physicist research department. Hmm. So here's the kid. He gets to town. He goes to the music store because we finally have a music store there in Gainesville. It says, who's the best guitar player in Gainesville? They tell him me, they give him my mom's home phone number, because I used to work in this music store teaching there. Uh, Bernie calls and says, uh, is, is Don there? I'd like to see him and meet him. She says, no, he's coming in on the bus today at 4 o'clock. And so Bernie drives down and picks me up at the bus station. <laughs> I get in his car, he drives me home. In the back of his car, he had this fantastic Martin acoustic guitar, and he brought it into the, my bedroom, and he sat there and just played the most incredible flat-picking country, like Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs would play, yeah. and sang country music, and I went, wow, that's yeah. amazing. I didn't even own an acoustic guitar at that point. I, I was all rock and roll. I was playing Buddy Holly and all the people that were playing rock and roll in those days, uh, learning to play B.B. King and Albert King and you know, those kind of blues artists. And so we went down to the music store and got Bernie an electric guitar, and I bought an acoustic guitar. So we put together two bands. We had a country bluegrass band that would play during the week, like on Wednesday nights. Bernie would play five-string banjo. I played flat-top acoustic guitar. And we had a mandolin player that would play mandolin. And so we would all sing and work up all these country songs. It was fun. On the weekends... Friday, Saturday, we had this band, the Continentals, which actually changed into a band called the Monty Quintet. And we would play fraternity parties Friday and Saturday night at the University of Florida, or we'd go out and play Dub Steer Room, which was, we were way too young to be working in a place that was serving, you know, liquor and yeah. steaks. But in those days, you just went to the back door, you got walked in and you played and left, you know? <laughs> so we would play these 
kind of you know clubs. I think Petty played out there uh, after we did. And, uh, we go over uh, Daytona Beach in the summer and work since the fraternities would all be out. We'd work over there, the dance clubs over there, the pier, all the little places where you could play and make some money. <clears throat> met, uh, became friends. Met, became friends with the Allman Brothers, Greg and Dwayne. Uh, their mother had a house there, so when Bernie and I were playing over there after the show, we'd just go grab a breakfast with Greg and Dwayne at 1 or 2 in the morning, whatever time it was we got off, and then we'd go over to their mom's house and crash on their couch or, you know, a pallet somewhere on the floor. And, uh, and that's really where Gre- uh, Dwayne taught me how to play slide. Was He would sit in the corner and play, and I think, you got to show me how to do What is that? Wow. So he would show me how to play slide guitar, which... Later was the key factor in me getting into the Eagles, to tell you the truth, knowing how to play. Yeah, okay. So anyway, um, after that band broke up, Bernie moved back to California and joined a band called Hearts and Flowers, and he was in another band called the Flying Burrito Brothers. And every time he would come through New York, where I was, or Boston, where I had moved, uh, he'd call me up, and I'd go down and see whatever band he was playing with. Like, you know, my high school buddy is coming through town, so we'd go hang out, and I'd play with him backstage. And so he called me once and said, "Oh, I'm coming through Boston. We're playing with, uh, we're opening for Yes." And so I went down to see his band. It was called the Eagles, and they were, you know, playing for, with Yes. I went backstage and played with Bernie like we always do, and played mm-hmm. some slide guitar, and we, we played some flat top guitar together, and just. Goofing around, having fun, and Glenn was like, "Wow, you should move to California, man. You definitely, you can definitely play." So Bernie kept calling me and going, "You know, the music business is not in Boston. It's not in New York City. Right now, the music business is in L.A. You need to move to L.A." So eventually, I had been working in the studio, recording studio in Boston for about three years. I was making fifty dollars a week, working six days a week. But it wasn't about the money. It was about having a recording studio at my disposal, learning how to compose, learning how to write, learning how to mic, learning how to engineer, learning how to produce, learning how to mix, basically learning how to make records. And that time uh, that I spent there was really invaluable um, to me because it gave me a really great understanding of how to make records. And... um, so when I moved to L.A., I had a great arsenal of talent uh, that I could write, engineer, produce, play live, uh, you name it. Uh, uh, I could do sessions, and so I wound up playing uh, with, uh, ironically enough, this band called Crosby Nash, mm-hmm. while Stephen Stills had uh, gone out on a solo run. Uh, they needed somebody in the band, so I wound up kind of emulating Stephen Sparks and you know it should have been Crosby Felder and Nash, but <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it wasn't really that. It was really David and Graham who were fantastic, and to this day we remain friends, oh, awesome, close partners, and uh, just love each other. You know, so anyway, they gave me a shot, and I played with them, and then we were all back off the road. The Eagles were in town working on another record, and I was hanging out with Bernie, and the next day I got a call saying, we want you to come in and play slide guitar on this track. Wow. So I went in, just hung out with these guys. I jammed with them at rehearsal, played backstage with them. It wasn't like, oh my God, it's the Eagles. (laughs) It was just 
a bunch of friends I know, uh-huh. you know. So I went in, took my slide guitar, played slide guitar for about an hour and a half, two hours. They got what they wanted. I packed up and gave everybody a hug and left. And the next day I got a call from Glenn asking me to join the band. And, of course, I said yes and joined the band. And kind of ever since, it's well, you know wow. the history of what happened. Yeah, I do. I sure so. do. As who And it's crazy to think that all started because of a couple of cherry bombs. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm really glad that I got rid of them because I met someone later who was a guitar tech. I think it was one of Joe Walsh's guitar tech that was missing his first, yeah. second, and third finger. Wow. He had a thumb and a pinky on one hand from playing with firecrackers <laughs> like that. There you and go. And I'm like, you know, that might have been the smartest thing yeah. I ever did, to get rid of those cherry bombs and got a guitar instead. Absolutely. All right, and we're going to continue this interview right after these messages. Welcome back to Beacon Rewind with Tim Nidell. So far, we've been enjoying my interview I did with Don Felder, which... Amazing, amazing guy. I, I love it when people don't give you much time to talk. And you can just sit there and just listen. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I, it, it makes it very easy. It does make it easy. And like I said, I was a huge, I am a huge, huge fan of his work currently and in the past. Mm-hmm. So just to sit there, you know, and kind of re- remember that I was a kid when I fell in love with his band. You know what I mean? Yep. I adored oh. their music. Do you, do you remember? When you were a kid, the first time you heard of the Eagles? At least, you know, one of the first times. You know, what really drew you to them? Uh, probably my dad. Uh, yes. Because my dad was in a lot of bands. And, like, when he wasn't playing on stage, he was playing songs. And he, he yeah. loved that Americana sort of sound. So a lot of the Eagles was thanks to him. Exactly. Same for me, too. My dad, you know, he loved the old 60s, 70s music, you know, and listened yeah. to it all the time. Then my brother and I got involved in listening, and there was a tape at some point of my brother and I sitting in front of our, like, Casio cassette player with our microphone <laughs> and singing Take It Easy. Um, <laughs> and we were both kind of taking the parts and everything, and I really wish I could find that. If I did find it, I would definitely play it right now. But that right there is the earliest memory I have of the Eagles, was that instance of my brother and I probably... I was probably six or seven, maybe, right. and he's probably nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and their—I don't know—their music is just feel-good music, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great memory to have too. If you guys were nailing the two-part <laughs> harmonies, that's that's pretty. Impressive, I highly, highly doubt that. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's hard to do. <laughs> it really, it really is. Um, God, and. <laughs> I just remember now the, my biggest memory of the Eagles as a kid, not really a kid, I was a teenager. Well, I guess 12, I guess preteen. Um, we took a vacation to Florida when I was 12. And I remember during that uh, flight and everything, I had my little cassette player, you know, with my headphones and all. Maybe mm-hmm. a CD player. I don't remember at what point I had a CD player. But I had the Eagles on there. And I just listened to Hotel California over and over and over again. I, I That's the only song I remember listening to on that whole trip. And it was a long <laughs> trip, too. It, well, it's, a long, right. it's a long song, so it didn't... 
yeah, it didn't true. feel as many minutes as other songs would have. <laughs> but that is another great memory of mine is listening to that song. And I don't know if everybody listening knows this, but we wouldn't have that song without Don Felder. That song would be, it could be a different song, but it would yeah. not sound the same because he used to do these riffs and record them at his home studio and send it along to Don Henley and Glenn Fry to check out to see if they want to write lyrics over them because they were the lyricists. Lyric, right. how, how do you say that, Gary? L- lyricists. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so he wrote you know, these riffs and everything, and according to the documentary The History of the Eagles, which I highly, highly recommend, um, Don Henley said that Don Felder would do that all the time, and a good percentages of them they didn't use because it was just repetitive stuff, I guess. Um, just stuff they really couldn't write lyrics over, I guess. Right. But he said when he heard this one riff, just the beginning riff of Hotel California, he knew that was going to be a hit. And he went in there and wrote lyrics over what Don Felder gave him. So without Don Felder, Hotel California would not be the same song. And I don't know about you, but those guitars in that song really make that song. Yeah, they do. They do. I think they make that song more than anything else does. Yeah. Really. I mean, I love the lyrics. I love the mystery yeah. behind the lyrics and everything. But yeah. that when you first hear the first couple of seconds, man, I, I get goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's it's funny to think that if it weren't for that song, their second career might have never really happened. Yeah, like, that's true. I mean, they might have been stopped dead after they dropped the country. Yeah. It was that song that really drove them further into the career. So, all right, let's finish off my interview with Don Felder where he's talking about his brand new album, which not super brand new. It came out last year. The album is called American Rock and Roll. I highly recommend it. It actually really is a good album. It really is. So here you go. Let's finish off my interview with Don Felder real quick. Like I said early in the beginning of the interview, I am in love with your new solo album, American Rock and Roll. What kind of stuff were you going through when you wrote all the lyrics and, and, and wrote the music for this album? What kind of things internally were you going through? You know, it's interesting because I never set out with a storyline when I write. A lot of times I'll have a phrase, I'll have a lyric, I'll have a guitar lick, I'll have a piece of something. And without having a concept for what this whole thing should be, I kind of just kind of let things come. Uh, let lyrics come, well, let guitar parts come, the way it produces, the who I use on the record. Uh, things just kind of come naturally that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really sit down with a preconceived idea of exactly what I want to write. Like, for some of the songs on this thing, there were just memories of a story. Like, there's a song on there called Little Latin Lover. A friend of mine and I flew down to Buenos Aires, and he uh, owned a polo team and wanted to go down and check out some polo ponies and blah, blah, blah. So we go to this, his girlfriend down there, by the way, who is stunningly beautiful, was a tango instructor. Hmm. So she takes us over to this tango parlor. I don't know if you've ever seen one. It's like a big, huge oval room with the dance floor as Mm -hmm. an oval in, in the middle of the room. All around the outside of the dance floor are tables where people are sitting and having their dinner and drinking wine, and it's very civilized, very culturally elite. And dancing by you very slowly and very erotically are these women and men 
doing this just really sensuous dance, the tango, it may be the the creme de la creme of exotic dancing. Uh, and I'm sitting there watching that and going, you know, this is a song right yeah. here. Yeah. I'm witnessing a song. Yep. So I start writing on a napkin there, you know, about tango and the dance and their skirts spinning by as they go, <laughs> and all the heads looking at this one woman when she goes by. You can see the whole room following her because she's such a great dancer and so beautiful. So, you know, something like that happens. Um, I was flipping through a bunch of pages and pictures back in the 70s. I came across this picture of me standing on stage with the giant long hair and the beard. and must have been about 74 or early 75, something like that. And we were playing in Wembley Stadium with Elton John. And there was about wow. 110,000 people at this event. I'm standing on stage looking out at this just massive sea of people and wanted to write a stadium rock anthem. Mm-hmm. So I'm going, what would that be? How do I, what would I do? So I came up with this idea for a song called Rock You and wrote the guitar parts, the tracks, wrote all the lyrics. And I went, you know, I'd really like to have another really strong rock voice sing mm-hmm. on this with me, like a rock duet, not with a woman, but, you know, two guys singing it. So I called up my friend Sammy Hagar, and he agreed to sing on it. And I flew up to his studio, and we threw his voice on and threw my voice on. We got Joe Satriani, who lives up there, to come in and play mm-hmm. guitar with me on it, who's an incredible rock guitar player. And I have been in many, many sessions in my life and my career. But to be in a control room standing right next to Joe Satriani, and he plays something, and i got to play something, and he <laughs> plays something, and I gotta, we got to play harmonies together, it was quite a daunting situation. All right, and so that was my time with Don Felder. Like I said, big fan of his work. And please check out his solo album, American Rock and Roll. came out in 2019. Here's just a little tease of one of the tracks, and it's one of my favorites on the, al- on the album. Pretty good. Like a little mixture of like metal and rock. I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so nice. that's just a little tease. Check out donfelder.com for more information. Anything to add? I don't think so. You suck I, as a coach. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, just looking at the list of, of artists on that that album i gotta check it out because yeah. i mean in addition to joe satriani and sammy hagar it's slash and it's mick fleetwood and chad smith yeah it, it's impressive other artists it's impressive man and, and what's sad about that documentary i told you about um don henley and, and glenn fry didn't really think he did much as a solo artist after the mm-hmm. eagles broke up in 1980 you know right. and uh, that's not true he actually had a good solo career, so I don't know yeah. what they're really talking about because he was on heavy metal. One of my right. one of my guilty pleasures for animated movies, heavy metal, where he did this song right here. It starts off really slow. It's building up. Here it comes. Wait, wait, wait. This was his song for heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Great yep. song, man. He did two songs for heavy. He metal. did two songs. Yes, he did. Yeah. This is my favorite one of the of the two. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's just, let's just dwell on the song just a little bit. Yeah. 
All right, I guess we'll stop it right there because we do need to take a break. So we'll be right back. Eagles edition, Don Felder edition. Um, love listening to Don Felder talk about his childhood, about how he got his guitar and everything. And uh, what about Gary? What about you? Do you have any like Eagles stories? Anything really stick out when you think of the Eagles? I have so many actually, and and it, all of it ties to being a musician for me. I, I can tell you one of the first things that, like when my dad started teaching me how to play guitar. One of the first songs he taught me how to play was Lion Eyes, uh-huh. um, which was which was really fun. And then and then I remember for I don't think it was career day, but it was one of those similar days. Um, he and I played for my school. Uh, we played uh, a whole a whole slew of songs, but I remember we did Take It Easy and that. And uh, I was playing drums. He was playing guitar. And and also, wow, I just remembered I also did a. Uh, for I think it was English class we were supposed to do like some sort of performance art version of poetry or whatever so I chose the last resort um which has always been one of my favorite eagle songs uh-huh. and and uh, just one of my favorite songs in general and uh, I had to change some of the lyrics because I went to a, a Christian <laughs> school and the line about Jesus people and, and a few other things they didn't take too kindly on. Well, do so you I remember to... what you changed the lines to uh, no I don't no, I, I really, I wish I did. I probably got the paper somewhere. Yeah. And, and, and uh, <laughs> if I find it, I'll, I'll share it with you. But um, no, I, I think, I think I changed it to and uh, business people instead okay. of business people. Okay. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I remember it. It was the most elaborate and overdone thing that I probably ever did in, in high school. Cause I brought my drums in and my friend wow. brought his keyboard in and we, we did this for like, of course, it's an eight-minute song. So, uh, if there was one that I was going to do it, at least do it for a long one. Really, really show off. Why not? Kind of. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, just they're a band that I don't play a lot of their stuff now. But at one point, whenever I was just getting started in, in music, I was all about, you know, doing some Eagles songs. Yeah, I do. I do spurts. You know, I don't listen to them every day. I don't listen to them every week and all. But I, I go through little spurts where I, I need to hear me some Eagles. You know, so I have an Eagles playlist on my phone that I just pop on, and you know, it's got a ton of songs in there because they have amazing little catalog to choose from. So one of my favorite right. memories of the Eagles for me, besides the childhood memories, is is a recent one. Um, I think it was like maybe four years ago now. Um, I was watching the documentary that I've referenced two or three times already. And I was like, you know what? I wonder if they're touring right now. And this is like one o'clock in the morning when I, when I had this idea. So I went on their website and sure enough, they're touring and they were close enough to me about five hours away, which I'm in Montana. So that's, that's next door, honestly, to me. Um, right. And I went on the venue's website and it said it was sold out. And it's a big old arena, huge arena, probably about 12,000 people and sold out. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to call the venue. I don't care if it's 1.30 in the morning. I'm going to call the venue. So I called the venue. He's like, no, sorry, man. It's it's sold out. I, I'm surprised somebody answered the phone. I really don't know why somebody was there at 1.30 answering the phone, the ticket line at 1.30 yeah. in the morning. Wow. But 
they and then they say, you know what? Let me let me check real quick. And I'm he put, he said I'll put you on hold. I think he's on hold for maybe fifteen about seventeen minutes. He comes back on. And he's like, you know what? You won't believe it, but there's one ticket left in the whole arena. And wow. he says, now bad news is it's not the cheap seats. It was a really good seat. It's probably the second best seat in the arena. The first seat, best seat would be in, in the front row, which I looked up those prices and they cost about $1,500 per ticket. And I got so mad when I looked down there, I see a family of like five down there. It's like, how do you afford that? I, your kids are like five years old. Are they going to appreciate this music? I hope they did. I mean, I would have yeah. as a kid, so I hope they did. Yeah, but seriously. I digress. Um, so I was like, you know, he's like, I was like, how much? He's like, well, it's about, I think it was about three seventy five or something. I think it was around that price, which is a hefty price to pay for one ticket, sure. especially since I supposed to drive five hours, get a hotel, and that kind of stuff. And I was like, you know what? It's my birthday. It's a sign that when I call you, you say you have one more left, and let's do it. So I did it. So glad I did. Amazing seat. <laughs> And uh, I think it was maybe six or seven months later, Glenn Fry passed away. Hmm. So I never would have that opportunity that I would have wanted. Now they're still alive. You know, they're still playing music today, touring today. Right. Um, they've had Glenn's son is playing on there, and um, Ben Skill is playing there. And I hear it's still amazing, but it just wouldn't be the same without Glenn Fry during my concert. No, no, I got to see him back. I guess it was 03 for the Farewell One tour, uh, the first of yeah. many Farewell <laughs> tours. <laughs> Uh, and I knew something was up because they they were like, we're going to premiere a new song for you guys tonight. I'm like, isn't this the end? <laughs> huh? uh, but uh, and then they premiered Hole in the World, which. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is not their greatest. Song. No, it's neither not. is the whole album that came out. after. <laughs> no, it. I have that one. It's not it's not nearly as good. But at least they don't really play anything else besides that one song <laughs> live. <Right>. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but it, it, that was really cool. I mean, if if I had never had the chance to see Glenn live, yeah. that would have been heartbreaking. Yeah, it was an amazing yeah. show. Amazing show. And uh, I guess that's going to do for this episode because we are going to finish strong by playing at least my favorite Eagles song. So, Gary, again, where, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram at the real Gary Lane. That's L A N E, and uh, that's about the only place that I <laughs> actually am findable. So, <laughs> and you can find me at timnidell.com. You can find me on YouTube. Please do. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in my name, Tim Nidell, and find me at Tim underscore Nidell. And I guess we're gonna close off with Hotel California, a song. Like I said, we wouldn't have without Don Felder because this first couple seconds man that is pure Don Felder right there so we'll talk to you guys next time
Stab it with their steely knives, but they just can't. 